Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Angry Environmentalist. For everyone new, this podcast is about all things environment. So any topic you can think of in the environment, I want to be able to discuss and talk about it. You can go back and listen to the first episode for our intro or just follow along for this episode where I'll be having a very special guest who will be talking about elephants. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm super excited to have this guest speaker on. Today's guest speaker is from one of my favorite sanctuaries in the United States, which is the Elephant Sanctuary, which is actually located in Tennessee. They provide care for captive elephants who have been retired from zoos and circuses to ensure that they do get a peaceful and well-deserved happy life, as every animal should. These elephants get their chance at a natural life, and they get that feeling of being wild, the most wild that they can be. So without further ado, I will let Miss Baker, who is our guest speaker from the Elephant Sanctuary, give us a little intro about herself and her extremely important work at the sanctuary. Sure. So hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Joy Baker. I am the education manager at the Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee. Um, I have a background in sustainability science and a degree in sustainability science, and I've always worked in informal education, um, so historic homes, teaching farms, that kind of thing. Um, And I've always had a passion for sharing, uh, you know, about topics I'm passionate about, the environment, conservation, et cetera, with people. And I've just been lucky to be able to do that as a career. So I've been at the Elephant Sanctuary for almost four years now. uh, And my main role is the second half of our mission, which is to educate the public about captive elephants and about threats facing wild elephants. So that's what I spend most of my time doing for the Elephant Sanctuary. That sounds so awesome. I'm so jealous. Um, Thank you for that little intro. Um, So now we're going to get into the questions. Um, So my first question I have for you is, can you give us a little description about the Elephant Sanctuary's mission and the work that takes place there regarding these elephants? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, our mission is actually two parts. So I deal with the second part, which is education. But the first part is, of course, to provide lifelong care for elephants who are retired from zoos and circuses. Um, So these are elephants that already have lived in captivity. um, And you know, they've lived in captivity since they were a year or two years old, or they were born into captivity. And what this means is they actually can't go back into the wild. So they wouldn't be able to survive. They wouldn't have a herd. They um, don't have the best foraging skills, socialization skills, all of that. Um, So we know that the sanctuary is the best option for them to live out the rest of their lives in as close to a wildlife as they can. So we have 2,700 acres of land in Hohenwald, Tennessee. It's a relatively mild climate, very uh, short and very um, temperate winters. Um, So not an exact replica of Asia or Africa by any means, but you know, pretty close, pretty um, similar to what they would experience in the wild. We currently have 10 resident elephants, but we have retired 28 to the sanctuary since we were founded in 1995. And our primary work is taking care of those elephants. So many of these elephants come to us with a host of um, health concerns that we need to take care of. Many of them come to us older as well. And just like older people, older elephants need healthcare, really just like all of us. So that's our primary focus is uh, providing care for those 10 elephants. And then of course, um, educating the public about elephants in captivity and the wild. That's awesome. Yeah. Having 10 elephants, it sounds like so crazy because like people are like, oh, that might not be a lot, but like 
the space they require and the things they need, the food they need to eat and stuff. Um, so it's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a really big job. Uh, I did want to add one more thing. I can't believe I forgot this. But as a sanctuary, uh, we're not open to visitors. We're not open to the public. Um, so that's probably what sets us apart from most places that keep elephants in the U.S. is people don't come see the girls in person. They're just out there doing their own thing. Um, we do have webcams where people can like virtually peek into the sanctuary, but yeah, we don't do tours. We don't have visitors. Um, it really is elephants first at the sanctuary. And that means giving them a life uh, free of observation. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause wild animals, I truly believe in that. Like wild animals should stay wild and you know, they've already had such traumatic lives before they came to the sanctuary. It's like they deserve peace and to be wild. Um, so I love that. Um, so my second question I have is what's a day in the life of an elephant at the sanctuary? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. There's not necessarily like a typical day for the elephants. We really emphasize freedom of choice. So that means um, we're not telling the elephants like you need to be here at breakfast time or you need to uh, be at the barn for vet rounds. So, of course, we have somewhat of a routine for our human staff. They need to know where they need to be. Uh, but the elephants really get to be doing what they want to do um, no matter what. But generally, um, they get breakfast sometime in the morning. Sometimes the elephants are in the barn when caregivers arrive. Sometimes they're out in the habitat and caregivers have to use clues to track down the elephants and see where they've traveled overnight. Um, we do also try to do training with the elephants every day and try to get that done in the morning. Um, and when I say training, it is training for their health care. So they're not trained to like balance on their head or, um, you know, should do any fancy tricks. It's all things that are going to help us take care of them. So training them to present their feet so we can um, file their toenails and uh, clean any potential like blisters or wounds, um, training them to open their mouth for a dental exam, just like when you go to the dentist. Those are the types of things we're asking the elephants to do. Um, obviously, elephants don't speak English, so they need to be taught, you know, what are we asking? Um, and that involves lots of treats, lots of verbal praise. So it's a really fun, um, almost like a game for the elephants. And typically they're pretty cooperative, pretty excited to train because they know they're going to get, you know, bananas and strawberries and carrots and apples and all sorts of good stuff. Um, but if for whatever reason, an elephant is not in the mood to train, so maybe they're really far out in the habitat knocking down trees, maybe they would rather swim that morning. It's totally fine. The caregivers and the veterinarians can come back later. Uh, we always say we operate on elephant time. So um, if Tara is out in the big habitat and she's like, I'm good. No, thank you. Don't want to train this morning. That's totally fine as well. Um, so the elephants are really choosing what they do with their day, where they spend their time, who they spend their time with. And the caregivers are really working around them and what they're, what they're indicating to the caregivers that they need or want. That's awesome. So do you, do you ever see like an elephant come in and they're like kind of traumatized from something like from a past life and they just don't want to be around humans? Or is that like, does it eventually 
they get used to like, they know they're safe here. Yeah. So it's a whole spectrum of, as far as what we see when the elephants first arrive at the sanctuary. Um, so some elephants seem to uh, get it really quickly. So they're like, oh yeah, like I have room to explore. I don't have to be in the barn every night. Um, I can do what I want. I can go where I want. And they pick up on that really quickly. Um, others uh, have been you know, habituated to coming back to a barn every night. Um, they are kind of waiting around, almost like they're waiting for instructions, like, what, do, what am I supposed to do? Um, so that can be one reaction. And then we do have elephants who had some pretty negative experiences with humans before they came here. Um, and so those elephants can be really hesitant, um, sometimes even anxious to participate with the human caregivers or to interact with other elephants. Um, so a big part of our care is individualization. So um, each elephant is recognized as an individual with their own needs and own background. Um, and so there's not a, a like timetable or schedule that every elephant is put on. Um, so for example, Billy came here. She was very, very nervous and showing lots of signs of fear and anxiety around people. So we just took things really slow with Billy and it took us years longer to fully earn her trust than other elephants. Again, that's totally fine. That's what we're here to do. Um, luckily, Billy is a much more confident elephant these days and has learned that the sanctuary is a good place, that she is never going to be in trouble here. She's never going to be punished here. But yeah, it just took her longer than some of the other elephants who maybe didn't have the same background. That's awesome. Yeah, I love the individualization of each elephant because they are individuals. And I think so many people get wrapped up in the, the idea that, oh, animals are just all the same, but they're all different. So I really love that. Um, the next question is, what is the difference between the African and the Asian elephants, like regarding their habitat in real life and, and not real life, in the wild and in the sanctuary and just their differences in general? Yeah, so Asian and African elephants are completely different species, and actually there are now two recognized species of African elephants. So there's African forest elephants. They live in the forest of Africa, pretty clear in their name. Um, and then there's African savanna elephants. So they live in savannas in Africa. Um, Asian elephants are a bit more of habitat generalist. So they don't mind if it's a grassland, um, a tropical rainforest, a dry deciduous forest. Um, they just are really looking for loads of vegetation, which is really true of all elephant species because they need about 200 to 600 pounds of vegetation a day, depending on, um, you know, their age and other factors. Um, so the habitats where they live is really different, but even their um, genetics, their evolutionary history is different. So the easiest way to think about it is um, an, a modern day Asian elephant is actually more closely related to the extinct woolly mammoth than they are to modern day African elephants, which is pretty wild. Um, their behaviors can also be really different both in the wild and in captivity. Um, so just anecdotal observations from our caregivers. Uh, they say that the African elephants tend to be a little bit more rough and tumble and bold in their expressions. So uh, they really like to spar, which is like kind of play fighting. It's a social behavior and it definitely looks rough. It looks like siblings roughhousing, uh, but they're not out to like hurt each other or anything. Sometimes it is about asserting dominance and strength, but a lot of times it's just like a social playful behavior. Uh, we tend to see the Asian elephants engaging in that a lot less. 
So that's one interesting thing. They tend to be, Asian elephants tend to be a little bit more vocal in their socialization, a little bit more play-like in their socialization. Um, one other really cool difference is that both African species, their herds have a really, really clear hierarchy. Um, so there is a matriarch, an older female who leaves the herd, leads the herd, and it's almost like royalty. So she is probably going to pass down that role to a member of her family. Um, because there are, you know, nuclear families in a herd. So there's, um, you know, mothers and daughters, and then there's aunts that make up separate families. And um, so there's just this really clear delineation that the matriarch's daughter is probably going to be the ne next matriarch. Um, Asian elephants, it can be a lot more fluid. So the matriarch can change. It doesn't pass down um, between family groups. Um, so I always find that really interesting. Um, just because, again, we all know elephants are social. Most of us have heard of the matriarch as a concept, but I didn't realize uh, how different it can be by species. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, I didn't really know the difference between them. Obviously, I know like ones are in Africa and some are in Asia, <laughs> but that's really it. So I think that's really interesting. Do you notice any difference in like, well, not no, there's obviously differences, but do they, when they're in the wild, are they facing different, like, types of human destruction for their actual like wild populations? Yeah, so there is um, some slight differences in the threats the species face in the wild. So poaching um, is a problem for both species, but definitely more so for African elephants uh, for the simple reason that more African elephants have tusks. Um, so all African ele elephants, whether you're male or female, are able to grow tusks. It's very rare to see a tuskless African elephant, whereas Asian elephants Females do not grow tusks at all, and only about half of the males do. So obviously, because they have less ivory available, poaching is not as big of an issue for Asian elephants. On the flip side, um, human-elephant conflict and habitat loss is a really big problem for Asian elephants. They are typically living closer to humans. They're typically living in places that are more populous um, with humans and or human activity, so like agriculture and things like that. Um, so the Asian elephant range has really, really been depleted in the past century, and they are um, coming into direct conflict with the humans a lot, a lot more, um, though we are starting to see that change in Africa as well, um, where, you know, certain agricultural products are taking hold and really um, kind of encroaching on elephant range. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on um, for the African species as well. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's super sad. <laughs> Human, humans messing up things as usual. But um, so my other question is, what are some of the biggest challenges these elephants faced in their lives before they were rescued and brought to this amazing sanctuary? Again, it really depends on the elephant and where they came from. You know, some of our elephants had what we would consider a fairly decent life before coming to the sanctuary, you know, not experiencing really traumatic experiences with humans. Um, especially some of our zoo elephants, they came from AZA, that's Association of Zoos and Aquariums, accredited zoos. So those zoos were really doing the best they could for those elephants. Um, but what we do see, especially for our circus elephants, is lack of social opportunities. So even if they were traveling with other elephants, they may not have had 
there's not like a lot of downtime to just get to know each other and, and have those normal herd dynamics. Um, constant travel can be pretty difficult on the elephants as well, just because they're spending a lot of time in confined spaces, so on trains or in trucks. Um, so not having the freedom to move around or to lay down can cause a lot of physical um, effects. So we see arthritis across all of our elephants um, and other kind of bone and joint issues just from being confined and being um, made to stand on really hard surfaces for a long time. Um, but yeah, those are the, the main things I would say is, is constant travel, confined spaces, and then lack of social opportunities. Oh, yes, as they are such social animals, I'm sure that, that definitely puts some damage on that mentally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really not good to keep an elephant uh, by herself. They, are, they need social opportunities, not just because it's nice, but it's actually good for their physical and mental health. Awesome. And I'm sure they get lots of that at the sanctuary with each other and stuff. Yeah, we try. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so my fifth question is, what has been the hardest part of working at the sanctuary? Um, it could be, that could be a personal experience or it could be staff-wide or something that you've noticed. Sure. So as the education manager, I um, interact with a lot of our visitors, donors, audience members. So I see a lot of kind of the people side of it. Uh, so I would say one of the biggest challenges is that, um, you know, humans as a culture are so used to thinking about animals and what animals can do for us. So um, I want to see this animal in a zoo. I want to see this animal do X, Y, Z. Um, so we are really totally taking that concept and flipping it on its head and saying, you know, no, these elephants actually have value totally outside of their interaction with you. Um, and that can be really difficult for some people. They're just like, but I mean, I just really want to see these elephants. And we're like, we totally understand that urge because that's what we all grew up doing and thinking about animals is, oh yeah, I have to see them in order to know about them, to connect with them, um, to have this experience that's going to make me more concerned for their welfare. And we're really saying, no, you don't need that. You can just learn about their stories. Um, you can view them virtually, but there's no need for that, you know, up close experience in order to care about them. And we're saying, you know, the elephants have intrinsic value and they deserve you know, this life away from humans. So that can be really difficult, but we are starting to see a shift in that. Obviously, we have a wonderful group of supporters around the world who really believe in what the sanctuary does. Uh, and I will say I work mostly with students, so school-age kids, and they seem to pick up on it and figure out what we're trying to do much more quickly than adults do. So they're totally on board. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. I don't have to see the elephant, and that's fine. Um, I think the caregivers would say the most challenging part about uh, the sanctuary is uh, elephants um, don't speak English, right? So elephants are extremely intelligent. They're really great at problem solving. They're really great at um, figuring out what it is the caregivers are asking. Obviously, they don't come in and, you know, know that when a caregiver says foot, they're talking about that body part, but they're really quick at making those connections. Uh, but we do have to do some complex training with those elephants in order to take care of them. So the caregivers are just so amazing at taking baby steps with the elephants, helping them make those connections between, you know, human English words and a behavior. Um, but yeah, some behaviors take 
a lot longer to train and sometimes the elephants are just not into it. They're like, I don't want apple slices today. Um, so yeah, being able to control their own emotions and just be like, all right, the elephant's frustrated. We're going to have to come back later. Um, is probably the most challenging, but also kind of the most fun part. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it, that's an important concept to bring up of like humans thinking that we, that they, they owe us something and they don't they they deserve to be wild. And that's like the big difference between like a circus or a zoo over a sanctuary because the sanctuary is like, let them be wild, let them be themselves. And a zoo and a circus is more of what are they doing for us? Like we need to see them. We deserve to see them. So I love that idea at the elephant sanctuary. And I love that that's in concept. Um, my next question is what has been one of your most cherished moments while working at the elephant sanctuary? Um, I have so many, um, again, I, I don't go out and actually see the elephants really at all. So, um, I am very much like, you know, one of our audience members viewing them on the LA cams or listening to the stories about from the caregivers, but I still feel like I know the elephants personalities and their likes and dislikes just from listening to their caregivers and their stories. I would say one of my most recent cherished moments is, um, viewing nosy on the LA cams. So part of my team's job is to monitor our LA cams, our live webcams, and make sure, you know, as much as possible that elephants are visible, that we're capturing, you know, what they're doing in the habitat, just out living their lives so that when people tune in, you know, there's something to see and it's not just grass and trees. Sometimes it is, but you know, we do our best. Um, and so one day we were watching the cameras and we saw Nosy uh, get into a pond and start swimming and splashing around and using her trunk as a snorkel and like clearly just having the best time of her life. Um, and that was a really big deal because Nosy, um, she's been at the sanctuary actually about as long as I have, about four years. Um, she is a retired circus elephant. And, uh, you know, when she first got here, in many ways, she didn't know how to be an elephant, right? So she hadn't had a bunch of opportunities to swim or knock down trees or use her tusks or forage for her own food. So every time we see her, um, choosing one of those wild elephant behaviors or regaining some of that wildness, we get really, really excited about it. And none of us had seen her swim before. She has this really awesome pond in her habitat. She has access to it. Uh, but again, we're not going to be like forcing Nosy to swim if she doesn't want to swim. We can certainly make it more enticing. Uh, I know the caregivers had tried placing like uh, bamboo and other enrichment in the pond to be like, hey, come on in. Uh, but again, she was moving at her own pace. And that day she had just like she was on camera having the best time ever. Um, I think everyone in our office like let out a little cheer. We texted her caregivers immediately and like, oh my gosh, Nosy's in the pond. You should like go get pictures of it and just enjoy it. And so that was really exciting um, to see her, her doing that um, and choosing to swim on her own, which was really exciting. That sounds like an amazing moment, like of individual growth for her. So I'm so proud of Nosy. <laughs> <laughs> um, another question I have is what is something everyone can do to help elephants, both captive and wild? 
Uh, so the easiest thing we tell everyone to do is to use their voice. So elephants and really any animal can't speak up for themselves. Um, so especially with captive elephants, if you are seeing an elephant in a situation that you have concerns about, you need to tell someone. <laughs> so that can be asking questions of the venue operator and just being like, hey, does this elephant get out to exercise? Does this elephant have companions? What's the diet of this elephant? They might not tell you, but it's a good place to start. Um, checking out your local laws and regulations about keeping elephants in captivity. Um, the laws and the regulations do vary state by state. So um, your state might already be in really good shape and already have really good laws around it. Or you might find out like, oh, my state has very little oversight about elephants and exotic animals in captivity. And I want to see that change. Um, in which case, you know, contact your local reps and say, I want to see tougher restrictions about circuses in my state or um, roadside zoos in my state. So really making uh, your voice known and making known what kind of quality of care you want to see for captive elephants. That's a huge thing we can all do and to hold those people accountable. Um, as far as wild elephants, um, what I really encourage is, is practicing sustainability in your everyday life. I know for some of us who live, you know, in America or Europe, places that aren't elephant range countries, it's hard for us to think think like what am I doing that's affecting an elephant in a totally you know on the other side of the world in another country but the fact is a lot of our everyday products everything from the chocolate we eat to the coffee we drink even to the shampoo we use um, can come from those wild habitats so uh, you want to be really sure when you're consuming those products one you know where they're coming from are they being sustainably sourced are they totally clearing elephant habitat to make that item. Um, and then when you're using them to use them mindfully, obviously not being wasteful of those products, you know, choosing reusable options when you can um, and just being really efficient in your use. Um, Cause everything, like I said, from coffee and chocolate and roses and avocados and shampoo, it's more than you think has an impact on those wild spaces. So getting educated about that um, and making more sustainable choices actually does have a pretty big impact on uh, wild habitats, not just for elephants, but for all animals. Yeah, it's cool to see how sustainability impacts, you know, animals. And we don't think about that. We think, oh, we're doing it for the earth, but you're also doing it for the animals that inhabit the earth. And I also just wanted to point out, like, it's pretty cool that, like, you mentioned using your voice in advocacy and stuff like that. And at the university I'm attending, PACE, some students helped to draft legislation to ensure that elephants can't be used in circuses in New York State. Elephants are not allowed to be used in circuses, which is super cool. And I think that's like that's an amazing exciting. connection. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> which is a super cool connection. And I love that. And then, so my last question I have for you is, for the general public, can you give a brief description of why everyone should care about elephants and the importance of them being a keystone species? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think everyone should care about elephants because they're really cool. No, I'm kidding. They are very cool um, and they're very charismatic. And like the more you learn about elephants, the more you realize that we could learn from them and they're a lot like humans. So I just think that's really valuable and a reason to care for elephants. But um, as you said, elephants are a keystone species. So what that means is a keystone species has kind of an outsized 
impact on their ecosystem. Um, and what we see is when they're removed from that ecosystem, there's all these ripple effects that are potentially really negative and could actually um, just totally derail the ecosystem and throw it off balance. So um, an example I think people in North America might be familiar with are wolves. Wolves are a keystone species for North America. Um, and if you're familiar at all with what happened in Yellowstone or Yosemite when they were removed, just things went bonkers. Uh, <laughs> like prey populations went out of control. There was all of these negative impacts that we didn't expect. And that's why people are trying to reintroduce wolves to those areas and very successfully. Um, elephants have the same kind of role. Obviously, they're not a predator like wolves, um, but just, I mean, by their size, the physical impact they have on their um, environment is super important. There's a lot of ways we could talk about that, but I think the one that makes the most sense to a lot of people and the one we can think about um, is elephants as gardeners. So elephants are mega herbivores. Like I mentioned, they eat 200 to 300 pounds of food, up to 600 pounds of vegetation a day. Um, and a lot of that is fruits and seeds. Um, those fruits and seeds are then traveling through the elephant's digestive system. The elephant may be traveling many miles that day. Um, and then, you know, as one does, <laughs> the elephant poops out that seed, um, and that seed is essentially replanted in the elephant's dung, which is this super nutrient-dense, um, basically natural fertilizer. So they're basically seeding the habitats around them um, as they move. And what's most important about this is, of course, there are other herbivores that live in elephant habitats that are also doing this, but none of them are doing it at the scale that elephants are doing it. Um, just again, because they eat so much, because they travel so far, they are the main source of seed dispersal for a lot of plants. Um, and scientists have actually seen that when elephants are removed from a habitat for any particular reason, whole tree species will disappear, whole plant species will disappear because the elephant is not there to help them with reseeding. Um, and again, if you don't care about you know, fruit trees, imagine this, uh, fruit trees, uh, plants, they are the lungs of the earth. So it does have an impact on you because if those forests where those elephants live are not healthy, then we're losing a carbon sink and then we're going to experience even more effects of climate change. So really, again, everything is connected. It does impact us. Even if you think these elephants live thousands of miles away, guess what? Then keeping a healthy forest still impacts, you know, your air quality and the, the climate that you live in. So super important that elephants are protected in the wild uh, for that reason in particular. Yeah, it's the, the big circle of life that we yeah. all learn about. That's just super awesome. So that's actually the last question I have. So thank you so much for coming on here today and helping us learn and me because I did not know a lot of that. So thank you for educating us more about elephants and the elephant sanctuary. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. And I would just say if anyone wants to learn more, their website's elephants.com. Super easy to find us. And can people like go on there and if they want to donate, can they donate via the website as well? Absolutely. So you can donate there. You can uh, shop our gift shop. You can watch the elephants on our Ellie cams. You can find all our social media links there. So anything you want to know about the elephant sanctuary is at elephants.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. So that's a wrap up of episode four of the Angry Environmentalist. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to have you back for another episode. 
stay angry and keep helping the environment.